Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Jazakum Allah khairan for joining us on another episode of the Corona Podcast, where today I, Dr. Muhammad, will be interviewing two guests to discuss the important subject matter of mental health. The WHO have announced that as well as coronavirus being here to stay, that governments around the world and societies will have to prepare for a global mental health pandemic. Even before the coronavirus situation, we have seen mental health services around the world come under huge amounts of stress due to the vast number of patients requiring acute psychiatric interventions as well as long-term follow-up. To discuss this issue today, I have two guests. The first is Dr. Asim, a doctor who has been working in mental health for, for, a, very, for a significant period of time and he'll be sharing some of his clinical insights as well as his, his take on the situation at hand. I also have another guest, doc, uh, well, soon to be Dr. Saeed, who is a medical student who, subhanAllah, had undergone a severe um, mental health situation during the pandemic itself. And he will, inshallah, be sharing some of his personal experience as well as some of the Islamic advice that Quran and Hadith have, have for someone who may be undergoing certain challenges with their mental health. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Alhamdulillah. Um, Jazakumullah khairan for, for coming on to uh, the podcast today, inshallah. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, we're going to be discussing um, a couple of different issues related to mental health um, and coronavirus. Um, but ha- how have you brothers been? So, Asim, how, how's it going for yourself? Um, <clears throat> Alhamdulillah, it's been a bit, uh, it's been a bit of a rough ride over the past two months. Um, uh, I'm one of the junior doctors who works in a uh, mental health trust and have been doing so for the past few months. Um, and, and it's really, it's really hit the mental health trust of the UK um, in, in a really tough way. Uh, I know a lot of the focus in the, in the media is on the acute trust. And of course, that's, uh, that's uh, that's absolutely important and imperative. However, um, however, working on mental health and seeing how things were pre-corona, uh, and then seeing them how they are at the moment, it's uh, it, 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 things have changed on, on a huge scale. Everything from in relating to um, you know patient admissions, patient stay, uh, and discharge. Mm-hmm. Um, um, as well as uh, seeing patients in, in the community setting as well, that whole logistics of that aspect has uh, has changed, and uh, um, inshallah we'll go into uh, into a bit more depth about that in the uh, over the course of the of the podcast. But but really, it has been a uh, complete completely radical uh, level of change uh, over the past few months. Subhanallah. Uh, you know, I can I can totally imagine that because it's been very similar for 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 us in acute care. Um, how about for yourself, Saeed? How's 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 it been um, during lockdown, um, and and how's how have your experiences been so far? Sure. So for myself, I went into the process of lockdown whilst under a psychotic episode, and for me, it, it initially the first part of the lockdown was very difficult for me, um, but I started to adapt to it. So I started to adapt to doing less. At the same time, 
at the same time i'd say that because i have a mental health condition uh, it, it is a bit of a challenge no doubt because i need to have human contact but alhamdulillah i have my uh, family around with me and that's why i'd say that, that helps as well and i do have people who get in touch through video call and things like this it's been it's been okay i mean you do, you do miss going out as well that's the other thing that's the other thing you miss going out to 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 restaurants and things like that absolutely absolutely so say tell us about i mean you've touched on the fact that you 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 had a psychotic episode during lockdown can you tell us if you don't mind telling us a bit more about what happened sure so when it happened i was i was homebound for a good couple of weeks and this is while i was studying in georgia i was homebound and i was really having too much time to my own thoughts so i had too much time to my own thoughts and this isn't the first time i had a psychotic episode so this is a recent one i previously had one in february 2018 and i stopped taking the medication around september 2019 because i felt that at that point i wouldn't need them anymore however i was pretty much i was that was incorrect of me to do that um, but i wasn't but i wasn't to know i wasn't to know that i was still pretty much uh, in need of medication so yeah and i'll be honest i had difficulty with sleep um after i stopped taking the medication but i didn't really use uh, i didn't really know that it was because of my mental health that i was finding it hard to sleep so i was using like over the counter sleep medication to try to help me sleep now that was something that was ongoing but when there was a time period where i had less contact with people i started to engross myself in my own thoughts and each thought that i had i started to believe it so everything that i would think i'd believe it and that could mean that oh this person's it was a bit of a this specific psychotic episode was somewhat an expression of religion in a way so i was thinking that people are going to hell and people are taking me to the hell of fire so i need to and i need to pretty much um save out the people who are, who are the people of hell and the people of paradise i need to align myself with them so and so this is a, a psychotic form of expression so i was the way i was doing it i was messaging um my friends and members etc and i was saying to them that i'm going to do a litmus test to uh to distinguish whether we can be companions it's it's, it's psychotic so this is all a part of a, the symptom of the psychotic illness i was developing delusional thoughts and i was thinking that i could see things that aren't there like i could see the devil in people and things like that so this is this is all crazy i can laugh about it now this is the these are the things that i was experiencing i was and i, I was starting to create these false notions and it came to a point where i i lost control so i was com- continuously doing this night and day i thought i was on on the on a prophetic mission omaji <laughs> I thought I was on a prophetic mission. Uh, so I was, what I was perceiving to be was I was doing Amr bil ma'roof wa nahi munkar night and day enjoying the good and forbidding the evil. And during this during this time side you know for, for you you completely believed what what you were doing was was correct. You hadn't you you didn't you weren't none the wiser almost. 100%. I was when I was under that phase everything that I thought of became the truth. So if I thought that you did something which you didn't do I'd I'd believe it. So if I said so Omaji 
I have some knowledge that's come to me. I know it sounds like it's revelation, yeah. But I had, I'd get things that comes to my mind and I'd start believing it. So I think, for example, one of my uh, cousins, I thought that he was, he had a, had a, a clear cut plan to take me to hell. So, <laughs> like he had planned it out. Like he strategically wanted to take me to hell. <laughs> so, so, so I had, I had these thoughts where I was thinking people are, are, are actively working to harm me. And this is, this, this is a symptom of an illness. This isn't something which is just for myself. This is my experience of it. This happens to other people where they start getting paranoid delusions that people find harm them, that they want to cause them harm, whatever that may be. People get other forms of irrational thoughts that people are trying to jump on them or attack them from behind. Uh, for me, it was more people are trying to harm you by they're trying to take you to hell. And it, it happened at one point when I was in the hospital, when I was initially when I got sectioned in Georgia, I thought that the water had coronavirus in it. So I was paranoid to I was paranoid to drink the water for a bit. That's how severe it was. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's fun. It was it was quite a scary experience. I'm still recovering from it. I'm still under care of of the early intervention team. And yeah, I mean, it's still still a struggle to keep myself uh, within reality. And one of the things that helps is the medication. I guess a question for you, Dr. Asim. Um, how does psychiatric practice today define mental health? Jazakallah um, khair for your question. Um, I think that's quite a uh, that's quite a very quite a very broad and uh, quite a wide encompassing question that you've asked, and the answer is equally as broad. Um, I think if we were to define mental health. Um, it, it can be quite difficult to uh, to define it very succinctly. I think it incorporates um, a wide a wider aspect of um, of, of one's um, emotional, um, social, uh, and behavioural aspects of one's health. Um, it's a very it's a very broad um, it's a very broad answer that I've. Uh, that I've given there, and each one of those subpoints can be expanded on. Um, I think when we're talking about mental health, um, it's not as um, it's not as objective as uh, physical health, for example, um, because it incorporates quite a lot of subjectivity, um, uh, as well with lots of theories in terms of how certain uh, psychiatric conditions uh, affect the body. Um, that's why I think it's quite difficult for for one to give a very very succinct uh, answer for it. And, and different bodies around the world, um, at different reference points, uh, will slightly define mental health and psychiatric illness in slightly different ways, um, such as the International Classification of Diseases um, uh, or the um, the DSM uh, categories, which are uh, used. Just for example, if you were to see an ECG um, which showed you uh, ST elevation in certain leads, you would, uh, you would you would automatically suspect that the patient was having a myocardial infarction uh, and you could guess the territory of the heart that it was affecting. However, with psych- psychiatry, the patients, all patients, present in very, very different ways. And that's why it's really important to be very thorough with one's um, mental state examination um, and to take uh, really quite detailed um, histories of patients' lives. Um, it's, uh, it's much more time-consuming and uh, 
requires often lots of discussions with uh, other colleagues to um, certainly reach more formal diagnoses. The WHO recently announced that coronavirus is, is here to stay and actually warned of a mental health crisis in addition to this warning. Um, how do you think um, lockdown has affected people's mental health? Well, I think it's more difficult for the people who are by themselves. The people who, are, who don't have company or they're not with any family members, they are suffering. Uh, and, and I'm sure you can, you'd vouch from this matter that people who are uh, alone, especially in this country, they, they suffer more because of neglect, because of uh, a culture of individualism that, that affects people's, uh, that is a standard thing that, that, that affects people's perception of one another. So people who are by themselves, they find it difficult to deal with their health problems and they would be neglected by even the healthcare services at times as well. Yeah, so I, I'd say, from, speaking from my experience of being in lockdown, because I've been I've been in the depth of a mental health condition, it's as bad as it can get for me because I can't really perceive what's good and bad because I've been unwell throughout. Um, but I mean, I can only say I, I felt better. Um, I felt in, improved after taking medication. In my day-to-day job, I haven't experienced a huge surge due to the nature of um, the field of psychiatry that I've been working in. Um, however, speaking to many colleagues who work with um, um, patients who are a lot younger, it definitely has been has been noticed amongst uh, mental health services that uh, many people um, are trying to access the mental health services. Um, however, what's what's even more worrying is that due to the stigma attached to mental health and many other factors, there could be lots of patients who are suffering. Um, without going to see their doctors, um, without seeking the professional help, which is, which is really required to, um, uh, to, to the patients. Um, I think because what we're dealing with in terms of the COVID-19 crisis of having to be locked down, this is a, uh, this is a radically new phenomenon for not only this generation, but even for the generations that have gone previous to us. Um, certainly we could, we could state that conditions such as World War One and World War Two um, were obviously a lot more severe than than what's happening at the moment in terms of a lockdown. Um, however, really in the past 60, 70 years, um, aside from you know World War Two, which was uh, you know around about well just more than seventy years, and World War One um, a lot longer than that before in the past, there hasn't been uh, another occasion where this type of lockdown has. Uh, has happened um, and the nature of the fact that it's happened in 2020 when we live in such an advanced world where we are so connected amongst each other however this lockdown has forced many people to stay in their homes for extended periods of times to limit the social interaction between other people uh, and certainly not being in the grind mode of going to work it's really a uh, it's really very difficult to quantify just the huge extent of um, huge extent of um, you know mental health issues which can affect uh, so much of our of our population having been under lockdown. In terms of isolating at home, um, I think really, uh, although you know we are connected well on our mobile phones over the internet, 
you know, using uh, using different apps, we can contact our friends who also may be self-isolating in their own homes. Um, I think COVID-19 lockdown, which has been quite stringent, especially for, you know, the six weeks that, well, that everything was in absolute lockdown, um, it's really demonstrated the fact that uh, certainly in terms of the social structure, things have been very difficult for, 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 for many people. And, um, you know, Things like not not being able to go out and see friends in public, not being able to do activities with friends, uh, not visiting each other's houses, for example, um, and just not being in the company of others. Certainly, not, not only being having to isolate at home. I'm sure many people, you know, will unfortunately be going through lots of financial difficulty due to the lockdown. Um, I know some people will be using the government's furlough scheme, but I've heard of cases where people can't access that funding due to one reason or the other. So they're being, you know, they're really having to dip into their savings if they're lucky to have any, or if they don't, they've, um, you know, it's been extremely, extremely difficult. I guess, I guess from my own experience in this light, I mean, it's, um, it's been quite interesting in the emergency department because we have had um, an increased and in spike nationally of patients who are coming in with, suicidal ideation or self-harm ideation um you know increased um anxiety attacks um anxiety related presentations um and a lot of that actually when we sit down or when i sit down and speak to my patients um is 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 down to the fact that there is a lack of um social support and economic support that's that's present for these people who frankly are very vulnerable uh, in their circumstance. And I'm sure you'll agree uh, through your experiences, Dr. Arsen. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's quite sad. I feel actually, because on the one hand, you're able to get your property val- uh, valued by an estate agent who can come into your house, um, you know, and and look around and and value your property but on the other hand you can't visit your own family you can't you can't go and visit your own family members they can't come around and see to your needs so you you sometimes wonder um you know whether these patients who are already vulnerable um who are already um at risk of ending their lives or harming themselves and their families and other people around them you wonder whether they're actually cared for or not. I mean, that's certainly how I feel. Saeed, I'm sure you're aware um, that mental health is something that, you know, large segments of society are talking about. And it's perhaps something that the government has and companies and and corporations have started to take quite, quite seriously. Um, So my, my question is, is that why now? Why has mental health become a topic now when actually, uh, and I'm sure you'll attest to this, you know, it's the mental condition is something that has been long known. Yeah. So um, now it's become more of an issue from my understanding. It's because they see that they're losing out on the workforce because a lot of people are taking time off for mental health related conditions. And from the perspective of the government and society, because it's driven by a capitalist culture, they are driven by, numbers and for them having people off work for months on end and having to pay them for months on end is not really in favor of what they are trying to achieve which is 
maximizing of profits and things like this. So based on that background, on, on that knowledge, they, it has become something which is be, being more funded and more, in, more invested in. Not invested in it enough, but it's not really been, it's been given more of a limelight now than let's say 10 years ago. It's much more of a common theme. And also because it's so prevalent as well, you know, you have, it's not just, you have celebrities who, who jump on the bandwagon and talk about their mental health conditions and whether that's depression or psychosis. You know, you had like rappers like Stormzy and Dave talk about mental health. So these things are becoming culturally uh, popularized and been made aware of. People are becoming more aware of these things. Absolutely. And, and how have you found your experiences with the Muslim community, actually, um, with regards to mental health? Yeah, Muhammad, I must say, alhamdulillah, the Muslim community has been quite understanding and they've been quick to give help and resources. So if, for example, they know a Muslim psychiatrist at hand, they'd be welcoming to, to refer him to me. But that's, that's the experience I've had from the people around me. However, there's some people who have been quite um, really not helpful, although I wouldn't really say to them that, look, bro, that's not really helpful, because they might do things like they treat it like it's a jinn possession or something like this. So, uh, or, and they'll just give me, uh, alhamdulillah, like, may Allah reward them. They're, they're trying to do what they believe is needed. But the truth is, when they treat it like a jinn possession, they're really not giving it any validity, any, any normal. Uh, it's take, they've taken it out the realm of, of the natural and they've entered the realm of supernatural. The realm of the unseen it's not very ra- the rational thing and it, and it exacerbates the situation because someone has a mental health condition and they're told that it's a supernatural phenomena they're going to be more gone because they're going to be trapped within a supernatural phenomena yeah it's uh it's kind of it's kind of inception isn't it yeah yeah so it's an inception thing where they're putting the person into a box and then putting them into another box they already got a mental health condition now they're, they're applying another uh, parameter saying that this is a jinn possession. So now they have to re- release the jinn first before they seek medical help. Um, so how, how, do you propose, how do you propose we look at, I guess, I guess a broader question then would be, how do you propose we as Muslims should look at mental health? I believe uh, as Muslims, we are the forerunners. Uh, Allah says in the Quran, Kuntum ummatin nas. That the, um, the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, is the best nation raised for mankind. And we are the forerunners, and we have been historically. If we look back in time, I, I was reading this on, on a research article that Arazi founded the first psychiatric hospital under, under Islamic governance. So this was, this was Muslims who were the forerunners in mental health. So if you imagine this now, our perspective has to go back to that. We don't, we don't need a new perspective. Our viewpoint is more so something from before, as opposed to something which is new, we're proposing, we're pro- proposing to them that we are the ones who should be in charge and taking leadership when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to all facets of life, because we've got, we, that's our role as a, as a community. Our role is to be the forerunners and be the best nation that the, as an example to others. And that's why, why we take the example from the hadith of the Prophet where he said that, for every disease there is a cure and that includes mental health and the Muslims of the past they recognize that mental health as a health condition not as possession or 
something supernatural, which which is clearly a sign of of a form of uh, decadent thinking. You know these kinds of notions. So we have to go back to the way of the Prophet and and treat people with the way from the Sunnah, and treat people with the kind of with the, with the attitude from the Sunnah. I would say, in terms of exacerbation, one of the main fundamental causes is pro is perhaps a culture of selfishness. This, the, it's, it, it affects us a lot. I'd say, even from my experience, not asking how someone is or just the general etiquettes, which are in Sunnah, the Prophet ﷺ would give salam to those he knew and those he didn't know. So, in in the Sunnah of the Prophet, it's 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 normal to give salams to people to to see how someone is doing, to visit the, the neighbor, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole cultural uh, perspective that Islam brings that the Western society doesn't have any notion of. And because of that, and bear in mind, we're only 5% of the population. And of that 5%, how much of that would you say even knows about the Islamic uh, etiquette and laws and rules, norms, etc.? That would be an even lower percentage. So there's, there's in terms of the values, that's what it comes down to, really. It, it's the values which are secular, which are perpetuating mental health problems, I'd say, because they don't, they don't really care for uh, others, etc. And even from Christianity, there's some, some values of caring and loving for your name and things like this. And these values have been uh, denigrated in the last century or so. So this, is, this has been a constant denigration. So you can see why there has been a rise in, in mental health problems. And the, the curve has been, as, as the society has become more secular, mental health problems has risen as a, as a consequence of that. And it's not just a matter of belief in God, it's a matter of, a matter of living according to some certain principles or values. Whereas now you have an alternate form of, of interaction, which is social media. That in itself, I'd say, I'd say has played a role in contributing to mental, um, mental health because because uh, because people are following uh, other superstars and, and other people's lives and they're becoming unfulfilled in their own lives as a result because they're, they're seeing other people's super lifestyle and thinking that's the norm and this again this isn't from Islam because we, we're expected as Muslims to look to look towards those who have less than us the poor etc etc and stay within the bounds of humility so you know there's there's multiple factors as to why mental health has increased and it always goes back to the value system that's in, in existence but that being said you could still be a muslim who follows the values of islam and have mental health conditions and and this is the reality that this can also happen i'm saying that those things happen less frequently when you have uh when you have a certain culture because that culture is like a therapeutic culture and the 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 culture of Islam, it, 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 you know, it's meant to bring peace and happiness to people's lives. I guess moving on from here then, um, how, how have you found the mental health service to have coped throughout this COVID-19 crisis? Um, I think quite equally compared to yourself, Dr. Mohammed, who, you know, you work in quite acute hospital settings. Um, I think it's been extremely tough for, for mental health services. Uh, and certainly from from my perspective i've i've witnessed firsthand just the you know the huge enormity that this pandemic has brought upon the 
uh, NHS services of mental health. We we weren't really prepared for it at all. Um, and everything just hit very quickly. Um, so we were, you know, really working together as quite a big team uh, and seeing what the best we could possibly do for our patients was. I think what, in addition to what we have to deal with in terms of a mental mental health aspect of patients' health um, is the fact that sometimes patients can present with quite delayed presentations. Like, for example, a patient could have had COVID-19 at some point, perhaps in early April, um, and they may not present to us yet. They may present in perhaps a couple of weeks or a couple of months' time, and they may be experiencing thoughts uh, and, and ideas um, which could be very detrimental to their health. Um, so, so perhaps things are definitely um, definitely going to get a lot uh, a lot busier. I think in the very near future. No, absolutely. Um, so, but on on the ground, um, Doctor Asim, how about things like um, social isolation and distancing? Have they have they proved to be of difficulty for um, for your trust? Um, I think they are essentially very difficult to to fully um, to fully execute. We try our absolute best in terms of certainly isolating our our patients, making sure they're properly isolated, but making sure they're properly supported, making sure that all our staff are you know have the correct PPE equipment worn, making sure they know how to put it on and take it off. Um, and really taking as many precautions as we can um, when dealing with all of our our patients, especially our any new admissions who are coming from the community, you know, who may be carrying perhaps the COVID nineteen um, uh, and and may be asymptomatic, as you as, as you well know. Um, so it has been it has been difficult. However, uh, I think we have made certainly in the aspects of the mental health trust which I've worked in. We've all made an an extremely good effort, and we've we've actually managed to um to do quite well. It's been a it's been a huge effort from staff who have been working already on these on the mental health wards. It's 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 about the you know the doctors, the nurses, the healthcare support workers, the ward managers. It's about the people seeing the patients on the front line, um and um and really the ward teams and we've we've had help from you know local businesses who've donated ppe equipment they've donated things like hand gel they've helped out with masks with visors um and i'm quite fortunate that our own trust has helped um uh, as well massively for that but certainly in terms of the government uh, i think they've been uh, they've been wholly wholly inadequate um, I think they were, they were too late to begin with in terms of in terms of a lockdown, um, and they haven't really been providing any clear guidance uh, about how we should, you know, continue to manage the ever-evolving situation of COVID nineteen. Um, so it really has been a has been a, an, an effort from the uh, from the staff on the on the front line who really we've all really pulled together um and uh, and really done the best that we possibly can do no absolutely and 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 that's i mean for me that i find that to be quite sad because um you know mental health is already a a, a suffering service um you know it's it's severely underfunded um 
you know it's it's not paid uh, the the attention that's paid to it is is definitely not enough for the scale of problem it's trying to deal with um and and it seems to be that such a service has been has been neglected um for quite some time and continues to be despite this crisis and the expectations um for what comes as a result because i was i was reading um a really interesting piece that was that was uh, written by a mental health nurse who was explaining how um appointments that would previously be um organized um were being cancelled home visits that would have otherwise happened are no longer happening um when in origin the home visit list was way too much for the service to deal with in origin um as well as the appointment list so now you've got a backlog of patients that need to be assessed and you've got an increased you've, you're going to have an increased number of patients on top of that backlog just to transition to dr arsen for a second and we had an in- interesting conversation before this podcast interview about some of this research that's been coming out concerning the uh, similarities and differences between reactions to world war ii and coronavirus why are it or is there a difference actually between the reactions um, and can you allude to or suggest any reasons why this may be so certainly in world war ii um the enemy that um, certainly the, the the british public we would we would see would be things we can definitely visualize and see in front of ourselves for example the the, the bombing of many city centers um in, in the uk um we often you know um you know these things could be visualized straight you know on our streets we would see the death havoc and destruction the loss of life the loss of infrastructure right in front of our eyes due to these um due to the due to the really you know due, due to the bombings by the nazis however with covid-19 even though you know we have lost you know i believe the official number is uh, at the point of recording is around 40,000 um deaths due to covid-19 however i'm sure there's been there, there has been a lot more than this um just because of the the nature of covid-19 it's not it doesn't present in in those ways when i first started working in psychiatry i approached my uh, my my senior and asked him you know part of that very question which you've just just raised in terms of you know why are we in the modern day certainly with all the you know the luxuries and the comforts that we have why are we um, why are we seeing so many patients with lots of mental health issues and um and 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 conditions um and certainly his answer was quite you know wide encompassing but essentially he he talked about the certainly about the post-war generation um certainly in the late 40s early 50s of patient of people being extremely much more resilient then compared to how they are now now that could have been for numerous reasons it could have been that they'd seen you know you know that they'd seen such a such a hard war not only being fought um you know in in the trenches but even at home you know the the idea that you know that things were rationed you know it was such a you know countrywide effort to you know maximize productivity looking out for each other you know it was such a huge 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 effort really which is very hard to to really understand that in in modern day times 
Um, not only did you know everybody really support each other really well through there, I think certainly when many, many, many people have seen those really tough times, certainly in the in the immediate post-war era when the country was, you know, extremely poor, you know, people did not have money. And you can really speak to people now off that generation and they will they will tell you that um really cinema in in, in that era was you know amazing because people would go to the picture house watch people in nice clothes because nobody had any yeah you know that was the difficulties of of life in 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 those days that's 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 quite interesting actually um say do you have any any thoughts on that and and perhaps any further thoughts on on why coronavirus may have exacerbated the mental health condition of society today i would say it has exacerbated it because primarily the type of mental health will be anxiety and fear of the unknown and the policies of the government in terms of the the detaining of people pretty much and lockdown and things like this it has made people more worried and fear-mongered the society as a whole i would say that the way that they dealt with the whole process i just got a message that's okay yeah no the way that they dealt with the whole process they could have done it better by distinguishing between those who were affected and those who were not affected and separating the two and distinguishing between that and creating zones etc they could have done things a lot more differently that would be more more better for society as a whole and for things to still run things like the salah and the spiritual aspects of people's lives has been has been uh, messed with because people they a lot of people, their lives revolve around going to the mosque, or even the church, or whatever they may be that they use as their mechanism to relax themselves or for their spiritual needs. And because a lot of the avenues of communication and a lot of the avenues of community has been uh, pretty much uh, been under under the fire here because of the corona, that has affected the impact. It's, it's impacted people's mental health severely. Swiftly moving on then. Um, my next question to you both would be, how does Islam deal with mental health? Islam and mental health is is a very interesting one. And drawing on, on my very broad initial definition of mental health, certainly the um, <clears throat> you know, spiritual aspect of one's health is, uh, is, extremely, uh, is extremely relevant when discussing both Islam and Islam's viewpoint. Um, <clears throat> on mental health, and um, there was a particular example which I stumbled upon today, uh, and it and, and it and it summarizes very very quite uh, quite effectively um, the nature of um, of Islam and mental health. Uh, so I'll just read that. Uh, I'll just narrate the the story in brief to yourself. Uh, so Ibn Sina, otherwise known as Avicenna, one of the great Muslims, philosophers and scientists uh, in the 10th century, he once conducted a very famous experiment. Um, What he did was he put two identical lambs in two separate cages and he placed a wolf in one of the side cages which could only be seen by one of the lambs. So months after seeing the wolf constantly, that one lamb which was facing the wolf, albeit you know, through a cage and and away from the wolf, that lamb became very ill and it died out of stress and fear. 
even though that wolf could not harm the, harm the lamb in any way. Um, the other lamb, which was not able to see the wolf, was still very healthy. Um, so here is, is, is a very early example of Ibn Sina observing the, uh, the positive and negative effects of uh, mental health, uh, one's environment, on, um, on both the physical health aspect of, uh, of, a, of, a, uh, of, a, of an animal. Um, really, it just, the story just highlights that um, you know, fear, anxiety, you know, stress um, can really harm can really harm harm the body. Um, I think this just highlights the absolute important need of not only taking care of our physical health, um, albeit diet, exercise, having you know good habits, um, but really taking into account one's mental health. It's 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 really important. Um, it, it's 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 absolutely imperative, uh, really, to 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 living a to living the best possible life that we that we can live. So I mean, Islam from you know from very early on has really uh, has really put such a great emphasis onto mental health um, um, from from very very early on, and we see this throughout the uh, throughout the years um, that um, it's uh, just how imperative mental health is to uh, to a person's well being. Speaking personally, I'd say that, alhamdulillah, I haven't had, I've been practicing Islam and I had a mental health condition happen to me. So it was more, it was more all of a sudden, it was like, it was an, it was an outburst that occurred and it was, I can't even explain what triggered it. It was literally a sudden onset. And I think I've had these things since I was young. So there has to be a distinction between uh, healthcare and uh, and between a distinction between healthcare and religion as well that the fact is that being a religious person or person who follows a religion that doesn't mean that you're you're safe from health conditions because these conditions existed under islamic law under islamic governance and they existed in other societies what differed was how people approached it and as i mentioned before the muslims approach psychiatric problems through therapy through study through through aromatherapy through various means through counseling etc well f- way before the non-muslims did so these these illnesses are meant to be dealt with according to is according to a certain framework through the study of life so going to a psychiatrist whether he's muslim or non-muslim it, it's, it's fine because islam doesn't distinguish it doesn't have something which is uh away from life it, it's it's synonymous with with the with Muslims and non-Muslims, we when it comes to the reality uh, or life in itself, we're instructed to to seek the cure. And it reminds me of an event that occurred around the time of the Prophet where a man asked the Prophet about something related to farming, and the Prophet said that you will know better because it's your field. So this is indicative to show that to us that there are, there's there's uh, different fields in life and you're, you're expected to explore and discover and find the cure and seek the cure and study so as as it stands in today's world we don't have um we don't have anywhere where we can say uh, is is an islamic land for us would say that lands which will, which are in existence we we will seek the cure from from healthcare professionals wherever that may be no, Jazakallah khairan. Um, Saeed, was there anything you may have wanted to add 
additionally, just, just as some advice perhaps for anyone who might be going through something similar to yourself? So in terms of the audience, uh, I'll say, yeah, um, that the one thing to remember when it comes to any illnesses and hardships, to bear in mind that it's an expiation of sin as well, that through these hardships that, that we are experiencing, whatever these hardships are, whether, whether that's COVID-19 or depression or anxiety or anything, just bear in mind that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is expiating your sins throughout this, these periods. So have trust in Allah, have have faith, be the Ta'ala that you'll see a you'll see the rewards in the next life, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan, um, brothers, for, for your time today um, and your input today. SubhanAllah, it's been a really, really good conversation with lots of very interesting insights. Um, please do tune in to our listeners, for our listeners, um, to future episodes, inshallah, um, of the, the Muslim Medic podcast. Um, and inshallah, we'll be bringing on some really interesting guests for us uh, in the future discussing a wide array of various different medical matters. So, without anything more, inshallah, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.